we are in this series, and we're so glad you're back with us today in our third installment yes. of the series, yeah. Naked and Afraid. And uh, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, we're going to look at that and a few other portions of Scripture in the New Testament as well today. And what we want to say again is the thesis is that emotional health and spiritual health together are a real dynamite combination wow. in our lives. So important. Yeah. And those so things important. just unleashed together take us on a whole new journey. They do. In Jesus. So it takes us places that are deep in the crevice that we talked about of the iceberg that we talked about our, our first week in the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so today we're on number three already. Number and three. And a number three session of Naked and Afraid. And today we're talking about embracing your pain. Can yeah. someone say embracing my pain? Embracing my pain. You know, you know, we all go through pain. And a lot of times I love how these messages just go together because they do. Um, the, this kind kind of material, it just, it builds on each other. It's, you yeah. can saturate yourself. You can let it marinate in your spirit and kind of just, you know, reminding you that we are on a journey and yep. this is just not a one week fix type thing. This is That's bringing sure. a culture of what is emotionally and spiritually healthy and trying yeah. to adapt that culture into our lives is sometimes a big challenge. Um, but yeah, embracing your pain today, you know, I was reminded about the wall, you know, a lot of times when mm-hmm. we deal with the wall, which we talked about last week, um, sometimes Sometimes that, that involves um, pain. Yeah, it does. Sometimes that involves getting through that. And so this is just a really good follow-up to embracing your pain that you might be facing in your wall that you might not even have known was there. Yeah, and we've talked about it really is a journey. It's a journey. It's and, a journey. And, and I love that we're starting the conversation yep. about this. And so many of you have talked to us about it, gotten the book and done the workbook. And you yep. catch us on the live, the Facebook live. We do at 8.08 p.m. on Sunday nights. 8.08. Um, we just did that, doing that through this series only. Yep. Um, because it's just, it's starting the conversation in people's lives. Yeah, about, you know, thinking, okay, how can I be emotionally and spiritually healthy? How can I live my best life with Jesus and what yeah. he wants, what does he want that to look like? So yes. I love if anything, this is really starting a good culture of conversation um, to be better. That's right. Well, our theme in embracing your pain really is this key word today, embrace, embrace. Can you say the word embrace? Embrace. Yeah. So we want you to focus on that. And the reason this is so important is because from the moment we're born, we're going through loss. Did you know that? From the moment you and I were born, we're going through loss in this life. We are. We don't remember it, but when you and I left uh, mm-hmm. our mother's womb, that was a loss to our lives. And, and throughout life, we face loss. We face loss of relationships, of jobs, of it yeah. might be a position or a title, achievements. Um, we all go through loss at one point or another in our life. And at the end, when we stand yeah. before God and we're stripped down naked, and absolutely everything we've worked for is stripped away from us. Right. Um, we realize, wow, this life is full of loss and it's one big um ongoing struggle of loss. It really is. And so each stage really is different. Mm -hmm. And nobody's exempt from it. Isn't that true? Nobody's exempt from it. It's such Mm -hmm. a critical issue of spiritual maturity Mm -hmm. and discipleship that we find it in Scripture. It's there. And we're going to look at that today. You know, it's not possible really to grow into maturity I want you to understand this. It's not possible to grow into maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ 
grow into a mother and the father of the faith without dealing with the issue of grief and loss and allowing it to enlarge our hearts. So, and that's what ultimately leads to the wholeness. Right, it does. And we go back to week one um, for the mm-hmm. genogram. And how did our families deal with loss? How did they deal with grief? Um, I know in my own family, um, my grandparents died when I was fairly young, and I was not brought into the conversation. And yeah. so as far as grief and loss as an adult, I had to really navigate. What does that look like? What does, how am I supposed to do this God's way in a healthy way to show grief? Um, because when my grandparents died, um, there were a lot of whispers. I was shut out mm. of the room. Um, it was hush-hush, and I never seen my parents grieve. Um, and mm. so to me, learning how to do that, um, yeah. and that's really the challenge of us all, is how do we learn how to grieve loss healthily in God's way? Yeah. So there really is biblical engagement on this yeah. of grief and loss. And just a couple examples of that. And it's the reason why two-thirds of the Psalms are griefs or laments to God. Did you realize that? Two-thirds of the Psalms. And the book of Jeremiah is filled with that as well. And most of the book of Job is struggling with grief and loss. So we see the theme. Right. It's in there. Yeah. So this is really a biblical theme that, you yeah. know, there, that there's loss and that we're going to face loss one day. And, um, but today we're going to look at the life of Jesus. And yeah. we're going to look at the ultimate model that he left for us um, in modeling grief and loss and what that looks like to be fully human and embrace our pain. Right. Embrace it. So as we go in and we engage in that today, uh, Matthew 26, verse 36 and following. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? And he asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more, prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Verse 37, it says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now the word sorrowful it's the meaning of that is sad or depressed. Have any of you in this room ever struggled with depression? Yeah, it's, a, it's very real. It's very real. Jesus himself is struggling here in the Garden of Gethsemane with the word sorrowful, depression, sadness. The Gospel of Mark uses it a little different where it says horror came over Jesus. Wow. Literal horror. Wow. You know, Scripture tells us, uses so many words to describe this scene in the garden. It's, you know, that Jesus was troubled. He was severely distressed. I like the word Luke uses here. He says he was in anguish. It's a very Mm. demonstrative word. You know, and so Jesus says it very clearly to his disciples. You know, he's very public about his grief. Mm. Verse 38, we can look at that. He says, he continues to say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm. He's in such anguish. He's overwhelmed yeah. with such heaviness. And, and it says to the point of death. 
And in verse 39, right after that, it follows with, and his, he, he, he fell to his face with his face to the ground. Yeah. He fall, Jesus, the Son of God, is falling on his face to the ground um, in prayer. Yeah. And so picture this. Picture this picture of grief. Um, yeah. Jesus is flat out on the ground, and he's crying out in prayer. He's broken. Mm. He, he's empty, and he has nothing to hold on to at this point but God. Yeah. So Luke, you know, he expounds on this passage a little bit. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 and says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, yeah. theologians and physicians have studied this where it was actually, Jesus, is, he was under so much distress. Yeah. His capillaries were actually bursting. Mm. I mean, what a picture of grief. Right. You know, his loss and his grief were so intense that he's flat on the ground right now. He's flat on the ground and blood is actually coming out of him like sweat. Mm. Have you ever been so overwhelmed that mm. you're just flat out? Yeah. That you're just flat out and you just got nothing left. I'm going to tell you, if you felt that, Jesus understands. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, today, Jesus gets it. Yeah. He gets your pain. You know, the losses that Jesus is experiencing mm. in this moment, they're overwhelming. They are. They're overwhelming. He's, he's experiencing and he's about to experience bearing the weight of mm. God's judgment for yeah. all of sin. I mean, that's loss. It is loss. Yeah. And he's realizing he is going to be cut off from his father. He's going to be cut off from his father. Like, you know, it's just amazing. He's going to experience, he's going to taste hell. And as he considers becoming sin, he who had no sin, imagine that. Jesus will drink the cup at this point, which is to drink God's judgment for sin. That's what it is. He's suffering many things, the loss of his friends, the loss of Judas. He was very close to Judas. There was three years of friendship. Judas is going to betray him. He will lose his 11 disciples who he served, loved, and washed their feet, taught them, been patient with them. They're all going to desert him. Israel, the nation he loves, this is God's chosen people, they're going to desert him. In fact, the world he loves is going to crucify him all in the name of God whom he is. Think about it. This is incredible. What's amazing about this passage is that it refers to him being handed over. Something is going to be done to him. In a sense, he's letting go of control and he's being handed over. Such loss. You know, so yeah. here's Jesus. He's, he's prostrate on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look at this picture of Jesus in this moment. We see that he is fully God and he is fully human. Yeah. And what's so heavy about this is that Jesus wants this postponed. Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. Lord, is there any other way? Yeah. Lord, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'd rather, I'd rather not right. do this. Lord, Lord, is there any other way? And we see him, you know, he asks, is there another plan? Can, this, can your will be done any other way without me having to drink this cup? And Jesus says, you know, hey, is it possible? Is, yeah. it, is it possible, Lord? Yeah, is it possible? Mm-hmm. Look closely. If you see, yeah. Jesus asked the same thing three times. Mm-hmm. Three times in this yeah. passage, yeah. he says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And God basically says, no, you will drink the cup. And Jesus says, okay, yeah. father, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Yeah. So, it, and we want to just talk about a few things in here. We can use our pain mm-hmm. to draw us closer to God the Father if we will allow it. We can express it in our anguish. 
we can be vulnerable before God and say, hey, God, I am in such anguish, and I express this before you. And what's so amazing in this, if you think a miracle is getting your way or maybe a miracle is going to look a certain way, because we do many times, don't we? Oh, sure. This passage shows you that may not be true. And here's Jesus teaching us and modeling for us a whole new way of being a human being at this point. It is. It is. And so we're going to look at two themes here that we see in Scripture. Is The first one is, is listening to the interruption of grief. Yeah. You know, grief always interrupts. Grief is never convenient. No, it's And so not. we're going to talk about that. And then the second thing we're going to talk about is learning to fall. Right. Learning to fall into the arms of a loving father. Yeah, so let's look at this, listening to the interruption. Um, for Jesus, this was obviously an interruption to his life, right? This was interrupting his entire life, and so, but that's the thing about losses. Every time they come into your life and mine, they interrupt our plans, don't they? How many are with me? They interrupt where we're at. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got plans, and my plans do not include suffering, grief, and loss. Yes. Are you with me today, yes. right? I, I didn't wake up planning for yeah. suffering, grief, and loss right. today, right? On right. most days, I'm not looking that. out for those. And our tendency is to ignore them or just throw them out. You know, we don't have anything to do with them. And losses come in so many different forms. Everything from the, the deaths of people we love to divorces to disappointments that come to betrayals, affairs, abuse, unfulfilled dreams. Losses. Yeah, the losses come in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. and that list goes on and on and on. Right, and our culture is terrible at dealing with grief. I I mean, we just are. As a society, we're kind of like, get over it. Get, get, we don't want you here if you're sad. You're a downer. I mean, am I right? We come in here, and then we pretend everything's okay. And so then what we do is, what do we do? We fake it. Well, how are you? Well, yeah. I'm good. Right. I, I'm good. And then, and then what happens is we deny our grief. You know, I, I remember about yeah. six years ago, we, we, um, we talked on grief. And um, I was able to pray with a precious little lady who was in her 80s. And mm. she was crying her heart out at the altar. And afterwards, when we talked, I said, I said what, are the, what are the tears about? Mm. And she said, you know, I lost my husband. And I expected her to say within the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months because her, fear, her, her tears were so fresh. Mm. And, and I said, how long wow. ago did your husband die? And she said, he died 20 years ago. Wow. And she said, and I never grieved him. I never had the opportunity or the permission to grieve what I was going through. My kids, we sold the house. Everything moved so fast. And mm. the kids made decisions for me. And my, wow. my life was a whirlwind. I never stopped and grieved. And so that day wow. I held her. And tears just flowed. Mm. And she grieved. You know, some of us are carrying some pain that we yes. have never allowed the Holy Spirit to be invited into. That we yeah. have never invited him in to come and do that healing work. And again, at the wall, some of us want to just avoid that at all cost. And, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit today is just going to start a work in some of us today and say, yeah. you know what, I want to deal good. with that grief. I want to, let's, let's embrace that. Let's, let's not be afraid yeah. to go there and tackle that. You yeah. know, because often the message we get in our society is just, you know what, let's just not. Let's just not talk about it. Let's avoid it. And let's yeah. just, just skip it. But we can't. No, we can't. We can't. And you look at this and you think, wow, and good Christians definitely don't fall on their faces like this, and especially mm-hmm. leaders, yeah. right? Yeah. 
But here we have Jesus. Here's Jesus. He's on the ground. Yeah. He's grieving. He's, his face is on the ground. Yeah, he's the leader of all. Yeah. I mean, he's God. And if anything could shape your theology up, it's, it's this, God in the flesh on the ground. And because Jesus is entirely human, just like us, he has emotions. Could you imagine Jesus saying to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, hey, we're headed for a tough time, you know, I'm the Lord of all, I'm the king, God's on the throne, and it's looking pretty bad, hang in here, but hey, the whole world's going to get saved, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, right. putting on a false face. And right. it's, it's so amazing. Jesus had real emotions. Yeah. He really did. Uh, Nicholas Wolderstorff was a professional uh, at uh, professor, excuse me, at Yale and a theologian. And his his 25 year old son was killed in a rock climbing incident. And later he wrote a book about it titled "Lament for a Son." And as he was listening and struggling to listen to the interruption of his son dying, this is what he wrote: "Eric, my son was bursting with plans, and now it's gone. All the rich future he held gone in those tumbling seconds." Nothing fills the void of his absence. He is not replaceable. We can't go out and get another just like him. There's a hole in the world now. In the place where he was, there's now nothing. There's only a gap remains. Please don't say it's not really bad, so bad because it is. I can only endure with Job. Endure. I do not know why God did not prevent Eric's death. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I also believe my son's life was cut off in its prime. I cannot fit these pieces together. I am at a loss. To the most agonizing question I've ever asked, I do not know the answer. I do not know why God would watch him fall, and I do not know why God would watch me. So what we're saying today in this is we say listen to the interruption rather than try to shove it away, rather than try to medicate it away. We don't ignore it. We embrace it. We actually face it head on and listen to God and listen to ourselves. And we have to give ourselves permission. It's okay in those moments. We're going to have questions. We're probably going to ask God questions that we may never get on this side yeah. of eternity. It's true. And he can handle that. Yeah. He can handle our questions. Yeah. So then the second thing we do when we embrace our pain is we learn to fall. Mm. You know, this expression, learn to fall, comes from a little book written by the man, uh, a man named Philip Simmons. It's a very tiny mm. book. It's a little book. He was teaching writing class at college. And at 35 years old, he was di diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. And some of mm. you know you're familiar with his disease. It's a very, very slow, very horrible way to die. And yeah. when he got the news, he was told he would be dead within um, a few years. And, and so he wrote this little book. He wrote this little book um, and coined the term learning to fall. Mm. Because when you have Lou Gehrig's disease, you lose bodily control and you end up falling a lot. And so he writes this. It's really humiliating. Imagine teaching a class and falling. Or, or being out with your six-year-old kid and you fall to the ground. You know, it's really humiliating. But he goes on to tell us this, wow. you know. Um, it's really the very opposite, though. Because grieving our losses and embracing our losses is like learning to fall. It goes against our whole culture, which is we want bigger. We want stronger. We want higher. We want better. You know, we don't want to fall on our faces. Yeah. 
We don't want to do that. But on our faces is where we learn, where we learn to wait on the Lord. And it's mm. like what Jesus said, hey, I don't right. want it to go this way. And I'm asking for it to go another way. But if it's your will, Lord, this is where we can say, Lord, it is well with my soul. Yes. I, I don't like it. I don't have to like it. But, Lord, I know you're in it, and I trust you through it. Yeah. So we learn to just embrace the loss. Yeah. You're, we're listening in those moments to the interruptions from God. And that doesn't happen naturally, that's for sure. And, and as we learn to fall down, one of the big things that happens is, is our self-will is broken. It, it's broken through grieving. It's broken through loss. That's not easy, Right? And because w there's a whole different side of the culture that's outside of there. We don't want to talk about this. We don't like to talk about the life of decrease. No, because it's about increase, right? All increase. But the life of Jesus is also about increasing. But he learned decreasing would get him to the increase. One of the big things as we look at this, you'll notice a verse here of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. That although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. We can use our pain to be more like Jesus. We can use our pain to be more like Jesus. So we need to assign purpose to our pain. Many times we're just going through pain and we don't assign any purpose to it. But there's a purpose in our pain that, that you look at the life of Jesus. There is purpose in your pain today. And we can be more like Jesus if we do this. And so this is hard, but what makes this text so meaningful was that he said yes to God. And we think, oh, of course he said yes, and it's got to be easy. But listen, he was fully human. Yes, he was fully God. He had a choice. He had a human will, but he had emotions that were involved. And he struggled to say yes, but right. he learned obedience. He did. He learned obedience. You know, a lot of times we don't want to face the cross. We don't want no. to face our burial, but without the cross and without the burial, doesn't, the resurrection doesn't come. That's right. And that's all part of obedience. So if Jesus had to learn yeah. obedience from his sufferings, how much more do I have mm. to learn? Oh, man. You know, three times Jesus said, hey, if, if this can go another way, I, I don't want to do this, Lord. If it's possible yeah. for this to happen any other way, Lord, right. Lord, but, but your will be done. And so we see a struggle of obedience we see what learned obedience looks like. We, we see what prayerful obedience looks like. And we learn that true obedience is hard. Yeah. We learn that true obedience is not easy. Mm. And we learn that through this, and there's grief in this process, but it's the will of being broken. Yeah. It's at the will of coming to the point where I'm going to embrace my fall, Lord. Why? Because I know I trust you. Yeah. And I know you have a plan in all of this, even though I can't see it at all. Right, learning to fall. And so we're going to give you just a couple of things here that um, take place as we learn to do this. And we could go on all morning, but we don't have that time. But the first one we just talked about, our will gets broken, which is the central theme here. He's saying, it's not my will, but your will. Not mine, but yours. Second, as we learn to fall, even though it seems so counterintuitive, we actually come to a place of deep love in letting go. We come to a place of deep love in letting go. We learn not to play God. How many of you in here like control in your life? Yes, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> Thank you for lying. So you got a wall of lying to get through. So you need to break through. Well, I want to control. My hand's up. My, I want to control. 
You know, I want to know what's next all the time. I want to control life, and you like controlling life, and you like controlling what's going on around you. But you see, grieving and loss, learning to fall is learning to let go. That you and I are not God, and we're not going to play God. So we use pain to um, get close to others as well. We can use our pain, if we will allow it, to get close to others and be vulnerable to others. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And one of the many beautiful things about Abundant Life Church is the relationships that are here and that are built, that, yeah, most of the time built in a really good time, but there comes a difficult time. They're there with you to stand through the tough times. That's right. Yeah. And the connect groups that we have that, you know, as we kick off today, we're so excited about those because mm-hmm. there, there is so many people that are here in this body that can connect with you, not only in the good, but when you're going through the difficult times, for you to be close to and be vulnerable with. And so a wonderful thing on our church app and on our website, if you go to that connect navigation button and you check that out, there's a directory there now. Right, there is. To help people find a group. Yeah. So we encourage you, do that. It is really that easy. We're trying to find ways for you to connect easily into the life mm-hmm. of this church and especially mm-hmm. in small group yeah. and connect group connect ministry. And belong. That's right. That's what it is. So third, we learn we need friends when we are in anguish. Mm-hmm. You'll notice in this passage, Jesus has his three closest friends with him. That's not by chance. They're near him. And it says in the Gospel of Luke, that they're a stone's throw away. Well, in the Old and New Testaments, that's about 30 to 50 yards away. So they were close enough to be there, but far enough to allow God to speak. And that's what we should do for each other. That you're close enough, you're there for one another, but also far enough to allow God to speak in the midst of people's anguish, loss, and disappointments. So there's no getting around it. We're not exempt. And as you move through your journey in Christ and you and I have Gethsemane moments, your soul is getting enlarged. It's lonely because, you know, really nobody can grieve for you. Right. Right. You have to grieve for you. But what it is, though, is it's, you know, other people that are around you. And it's it's these times we, we need our friends close, close to us to surround us, to be with us. And, you know... What's most important during those times is listening, Mm -hmm. listening to somebody in their grief and in their anguish more than anything else. Validating, just saying, I I understand how you could be in such pain over this. I I get this. I get why this hurts so much. Boy, that's, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. But there is something else that happens here when we learn to fall and our souls become enlarged. Deep grieving empties our souls of junk. Yeah. It's almost like a soul detox when we can just let it all out. I just prayed with someone at first service, and I said, girl, just get alone in a room and beat up a pillow and let it out, and you just, you just do what you got to do to get with God. Yeah. He can handle this. But so many times we don't want to do that. But you know what? When we grieve, there's stuff that's removed on our, in our life that can only come out through that yeah. process. That it only Absolutely. can be emptied out. But when we are emptied out, that's only then can God fill us with the stuff he wants to fill us with. Right. When we're emptied with the stuff that doesn't even matter what people think of us or maybe that the unhealthy stuff that we're carrying mm. or things that we thought were so important. When we go through grief and we hit that wall, our, we start seeing a little clearer. 
What's right. really important and what's really going on. We get on our faces before the Lord. It creates a vacancy in our life for God yeah. that only he can fill. That's right. That only he can fill. And so this just comes mm. part of who you are. See, our pain doesn't go away. We absorb it, though. It, it might lessen, but our pain is part of us. It becomes who yeah. we are. And so if you just embrace it and let it become part of you and you absorb it, um, we don't get over it. We go through it. Amen. That's good. That's we good. don't get over it. We have mm -hmm. to go through it. And it becomes part of who we are. And it becomes yeah. part of our story. And as a Christ follower, it becomes a part of your testimony that I got through yeah. that with God's help. That's right. Amen. That's your resurrection story. That's, that's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, I love that vacancy. It creates a vacancy in you for God. There's a void that only God can fill in there. And so we need to know this. And, you know, we're talking about health here, remember. We're talking about spiritual and emotional health. How many of you in this room today, the sound of my voice, maybe streaming, how many of you today, you want to be healthy spiritually and emotionally? I mean, can I, can I just yes. see your hands? Yeah. Yes. I would say most of us in this room are not <laughs> wanting to be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. We want spiritual and emotional health, and we need that. We need that in this church. We need people of God to be healthy more than any other time in history right now. Spiritually, emotionally, that means there's going to be some change. That means there's going to be some grief. That means there's going to be some loss. And we're going to talk about what to do with that in, in just a moment as we, we, know, we know that. So as, as you say, as you take it in, you're going through it. It's now part of who you are. And then you become a gift to the world around you. The Lord makes you tender and compassionate and a loving person. So we can use our pain to help others. Amen? Amen. Amen. We can use our pain to help others. Aren't you glad Jesus used his pain to help us? As we learn to fall, what do we learn? We learn dependence because we have nowhere else to go. We learn to depend on the Father. This passage really is about praying. It really is. He's, he's learned to fall, but he's in prayer in close communication and relationship with his father, and his strength does not come about because he's got great willpower. It's because he's so dependent. You see, most of us, we're very independent. And God is trying to teach you in your independence that you've got to fall into his loving arms, and it's in these times when you learn to pray and praying and grieving, they're wrapped up together. They become one. And when you go through grief and loss, praying is no longer a waste of time. It's actually your lifeline. Yes. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Because you're falling. Yeah. You have nowhere else to go. So you're, you're hanging on to God. You, you don't even maybe understand. We don't even understand half the time what's going on. But, but we understand this, that God is good and his love Amen. endures Amen. forever. Amen? Amen. We understand Amen. that. Amen. We get that. Absolutely. And, and we don't know where you are today, and, but we're just inviting you into this process of, of, of turning toward a loving God, of falling into him, of trusting him, and letting go of the control that you have on your life and turning to the one who has yeah. come to give you life. Amen. 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 So letting go um, in, in, involves listening to the interruption of grief. Yeah. So what is the Holy Spirit telling you in this time? That's right. In the moment, we're going to have altar time, and we just want, just dig deep. I, am I grieving? 
and, and mm. what, what loss am I feeling? And I want the Holy Spirit to come and help me heal in that yeah. area. Or maybe it's learning to fall. I just need to trust. Yeah. We talked earlier about the trust the trust fall. Do you know where you fall backwards and your friends are supposed to catch you? Yeah. Well, my, I, my siblings did that with yeah. me. <laughs> and they didn't catch me. Yeah. So, I, you know. I, I can't, I don't trust people enough to do that. I can't, <laughs> I can't. But you know what? It's, it's like when we, are we able to release control and trust that God will catch us? Trust that what's That's going good. on in our life right now, that he is able. Amen. And he is, he is stronger than what's going on. And he will carry us through no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. In John 12, 24, as we draw this down, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Some things have to die or it just remains and you're stuck. And that's why the loss and grief for some of you in this room, it really could be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Yes, it's terrible. I mean, you're flat out, you're overwhelmed, you're at your limit. You feel like you're going to die, but God wants you to know this is for your resurrection. This is for our resurrection together, but before the resurrection comes, remember there's a burial, there's a waiting, there's a transition that has to happen. And so you get to this and you start allowing grief and, and loss to enlarge your soul. It then become, you become a person that other people run to in their hurt and their pain. You become a help to them. You see, it's, it's there that you see there is purpose. I then have assigned purpose to my pain because you're helping somebody else through it. Well, I wish I could promise you today, those of you that are younger in, the, younger in this room, that while your life, you'll live a life unscathed by loss and grief, but I would be lying to you because that is not the truth. There are people in this room that have suffered a lot of loss and grief. There are people here today in our midst that have gone through a lot of loss, a lot of grief. The beautiful thing is you're here and you're allowing God to enlarge your soul through grief and loss. And God is speaking to you now. He's speaking to you here in this moment now. And don't put it off. Don't run away from it. Allow God to enlarge you in this moment through your grief, through your anguish. See, we want to invite, we want to invite those losses and griefs. Amen. When we do that, we've been seasoned, we've been matured, we've been stripped of the things really that we're not supposed to have. We help others. But in this transformation, as it, as it comes, and like we said, we wish it was another way, but it only comes through the cross. And the miracle is you go into it head on like Jesus. And at the end of the chapter, verse 26, excuse me, verse 46, he says to his disciples in that moment, that same portion of scripture, rise and let us go. Because why? There is a time to get up and you will experience the resurrection. Yeah, you have to go through the pain. But Jesus said, rise and let us go. Today, I speak to you in the midst of your pain and your anguish. Rise and let us go. Don't get stuck in your pain. Don't get stuck there, but assign purpose to it and move forward.